Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of December 12th, 2019, including Sony's long-running baseball exclusive is going multi-platform, meaning Xbox, a new Bioshock is in development, Resident Evil 3 Remake has been confirmed and revealed, and more. If you're noticing a upgrade in audio quality this week, it is because I did recently acquire a new computer monitor, so that may have something to do with it. All stupidity aside, let's just start out this week, of course, again, as always, with what I've been playing, which, to no surprise, should be exactly what I was working on last week. A little more Jedi Fallen Order and a little more Halo Reach. Frankly, at this point, I just I have nothing more to say on Jedi Fallen Order. I don't know why I haven't finished the game at this point. I'm just really meandering around and just, I, I don't know. It's I've kind of lost the motivation to play it. I was really excited about it when it first came out. The game, like I said the week before, is just objectively a great game. I just have, I'm, I'm just not in the mood or the headspace right now to be playing it. So I'm just kind of in the final third of the game, really just um, taking my time and and just at a standstill with that. But I do anticipate to have it finished. I, I mean, I assume at least before Christmas. I don't don't know what's really happening. My attention was diverted a little bit by the other game I've been playing, which is Halo Reach, uh, one of my favorite Halo games, and a game I've just been having a, a joy going back to. So I've been working through the campaign on that, playing a little bit of multiplayer. It's, it's Halo Reach. It's just as good as ever. And again, as I said the week before, it just warms my heart to see people kind of having this resurgence and of, of love for Halo. So awesome game. Awesome to see it on PC and awesome to see everyone enjoying it and playing Halo once again. And finally, just saying something about the franchise that isn't A, Halo isn't cool anymore, or B, Halo 5 sucked, which is which both statements, you know, are untrue. So Halo Reach has been has been great. I highly recommend again, if you haven't been playing that, you're a evil person and you're likely going to hell, regardless of where you stand on the uh, the, the spectrum of religion. Aside from that, uh, more perhaps more exciting than the specific games I've been playing is that I've actually been toying around with Project X Cloud. So, like I said last week, I did order a new Xbox controller, one that had uh, Bluetooth capability in the sense that you know I can connect to PCs or other Bluetooth enabled devices. So uh, I got that in the mail this past week, and I've been playing a little bit with it on my Android phone. And yeah, I mean, Project X Cloud is I don't have too much to say about it, only in the sense that I feel like my opinions of it are very much an echo of what has been already said time and time again about Project X Cloud since the preview started, which is that I'm so impressed by how well this technology works and how viable it is, A, and B, I am you definitely cannot deny that there is a latency, a slight latency, I don't want to say issue because Microsoft was clear that this kind of thing would exist and, and everyone expected it. So it's not like a surprise, but it only really affects certain games. So to put things into context for you, I, I'm, I'm using Project X Cloud on a Nokia 6.1. And for those of you that aren't like you know, interested in in phones or kind of in the in the know about consumer tech, like things like cell phones. The Nokia six point one is like a a cheap ass budget phone. You know, I normally as my like daily phone, I use an an iPhone. But I, I bought a Android phone about a year ago, just out of 
morbid curiosity what that was like just because I, I just enjoy wasting my money on little pieces of technology and dicking around with them. And like this, this phone is not a good phone by any means. Like I, I enjoy playing with it, but like what I mean is it's not a powerful phone. It's not an impressive phone. It's slow. It's chuggy. It's uh, just really unimpressive spec wise. And that plays literally no difference in how project X cloud works on my phone. It's basically just totally hundred percent. Okay. As long as I have decent Wi-Fi, who gives a shit what specs my phone are, uh, which is just so cool. My like, I, I don't know exactly the specs of my internet here um, in my apartment, but my internet is like super average. It's not incredible. It's not bad by any means. It's just like super average internet connection, internet speeds here. And I have literally no problem uh, doing xCloud at all. Um, so when you boot it up, you're basically just given a list, a library of games to play from. Of course, the first thing I picked was Halo 5 because, you know, if I'm going to play a new Xbox experience, I'm going to try Halo first thing. Yeah, Halo 5, I had the exact same experience I was anticipating, which is that getting used to the little latency lag is is challenging. I, I like I played my first match of multiplayer. I was absolutely awful. And it was just because I just couldn't adjust to the little latency lag. But I will say the good thing about it is the lag is super consistent the whole time. So like if you can get used to it, if you can adjust yourself by the slight like half a second time delay or whatever it is, then you can actually get good at it. It's just you got to you got to kind of adjust to it. And the more I played it, the more I, I did adjust to it, but I didn't play enough to get fully adjusted. So it's really not quite that bad at all, but it is something, it is obviously notably different from if you're playing on an Xbox console and you have little to no latency whatsoever. Again, I don't think the idea of something like Project X Cloud is to ever have like MLG players competing in tournaments over their Android phones. You know, I think it's it's more for more casual play and for kind of pick up and go on the go kind of thing. So in that regard, it, it's really awesome how steady and solid everything works and it's totally playable. So if you're just playing Halo 5 just to dick off and have fun, it's totally serviceable. And if I were playing the campaign, I'd have no problem. You know, I could play the entire campaign on like normal mode with no issue at all on xCloud. It, it works that well. It's really impressive. Everything runs at like 720p. So I know some people are going to, you know, well, Google Stadia runs at 4K, can, well, can go up to 4K, it's standard at 1080 and it can go up to 4K. Let me let you in on a little secret. And this is something that irks me as, as someone who kind of follows mo mo the mobile market a little bit. This, this is something that really bothers me is this argument about, you know, LED screens, OLED screens, resolution on a smartphone. When, when the screen in your pocket is five inches, it doesn't really matter if it's 720p or 1080p or, you know, a 2K screen or whatever. It's like... 720p like the resolution of your phone is really really good as long as it's like at least 720p because it's a tiny ass display you know the pixel density isn't such that like it's not like when you buy a 60 inch tv for your living room and something you're looking running at something at 720p looks like ass compared to a 4k television it's not the gap isn't that big it's why you can buy an iphone with an lcd screen and it still looks stunning compared to like a Samsung with an OLED screen, because even though yes, technically the Samsung phone looks better, it's just such a small display that that 720p goes a long way. So in terms of the resolution, the lower resolution on Project xCloud doesn't bother me in the least because it's totally serviceable for the five inch screen in my pocket. I mean, obviously if this were a traditional Xbox on a traditional TV setup, it would be a little inexcusable for the time, but I'd rather them focus on a lower resolution and locking that down at a more solid frame rate than vice versa. There's literally no problem with the display or the, or the resolution or anything. In, in my opinion, it looked great, it ran great. 
picture quality didn't get fuzzy and buffer the whole time. I didn't have like big lagging or, or stagnating. Like it wasn't like jumping. Um, it was just a solid little latency delay that was consistent. So you could at least adjust to it and play accordingly to it rather than it just constantly changing on you and you having to re reassess kind of how to play the game. Uh, aside from that, I played Darksiders 3, which is obviously far less Twitch based. I play it in a more hack and slash way. When you play a game, for those who don't know, Darksiders 3 is kind of like for, for Darksiders game, it goes a little more of like a Dark Souls route where it's more of that kind of methodical combat, um, as I've been talking about with like Jedi Fallen Order. You actually have the option that game to play it on like an easier difficulty and change the combat to be more like hack and slash traditional focused, which is how I play the game. And so for a more just go to this room, fight all the enemies kind of game, traditional third person, not Twitch based game, Project X Cloud is perfect. I don't notice an issue. I don't have any issue playing it whatsoever. The platforming is no problem. The combat's no problem. Everything about it is totally serviceable and I could comfortably play an entire game with that setup. You know, when you when you get out of a game like Halo, where it's a competitive multiplayer game and you get into something just a little more casual single player, third person action game, 100% Project X Cloud is a super viable option for playing games. And that was the experience I expected to have with a game like that. And that was the takeaway for me, which is just that there's no way Project X Cloud is not the future for most people, honestly, because yeah, we talk about how Xbox One, you know, Microsoft doesn't release numbers, but Microsoft, but Xbox One has probably sold close to 50 million units, right? Worldwide. That is nothing when you think about the number of cell phones that are in people's pockets, uh, home computers that are in people's you know homes or laptops in their backpacks or whatever it is. There are so many devices out there that if you can just push the power of Xbox to any one of those devices, regardless of power, price, capability, um, as long as you have internet connection, then you have a way bigger penetration rate. So it's just the fact that there's anyone who could deny that something like xCloud is is undoubtedly the future of gaming in a viable option for Microsoft to be exploring. It's just absolutely absurd to me because this is exactly where the mass market, the the general game consumer is going to be headed in, in you know, five, 10 years. I don't know. I'm, I'm not smart enough to be able to really estimate that, but that's absolutely where we're heading, like it or not. Not to say that, you know, traditional game consoles are going to go away. Obviously, we're about to get Project Scarlet, and that's going to be a traditional game console. But for, you know, for the mass majority of people that don't need to be MLG, we can just we can just enjoy our games streaming from our iPhones and Androids and iPads and Surface Pros and whatever the hell, because it's it's affordable, it's accessible, and it's it works really quite well. So I, I don't know. My, my takeaway from xCloud is for something that's still in early access, for something that still hasn't technically hit the market and is only available for one platform and still has a long way to go and is very early in its infancy, I'm very impressed with what they've done so far. So Again, if you if you have the option to check out xCloud anytime soon, I highly recommend it. I think you'll be quite pleased with the experience. All right, and after a super long intro and what I've been playing kind of segment, let's jump into this week's news, which for a slow, what should be a slow news week is actually quite in-depth and meaty, so we'll jump right in. Our first big story of the week is that a new Bioshock game has been announced and is finally in development. So following years of the franchise's dormancy after original developer Irrational Games disbanded in 2013, shortly after the release of Bioshock Infinite, which was the last entry in the series, 2K Games, publisher of the franchise, owner of the IP, has announced that they have started up a brand new internal studio called Cloud Chamber. The studio is located in Novato, California and in Montreal, Quebec, and is headed by Kelly Gilmore, 
who has worked on 2K's Veraxis games for nearly two decades in various capacities on Sid Meier's Civilization and XCOM. Development has just begun, so don't expect to see the game for a few years, and, and this goes without saying, of course, but the next Bioshock will no doubtably be a next-generation game, meaning the franchise will have entirely skipped the Xbox One era altogether by the time the next game is out, unless you count the Bioshock collection, which you shouldn't because it's just a remake. No news on the timeline of the game or its setting have been revealed so far, so we still have much to learn about the next Bioshock. Original visionary and creator of the series, Ken Levine, will, to no surprise, not be involved at any capacity in the game, as this is a continuation of the series, which is entirely headed up by 2K due to their ownership of the franchise and its capitalistic pursuit of money. So this should come as no surprise that they're making a new Bioshock. The only thing that shocks me about this, actually, no pun intended, is that it took 2K so long to get to work on another Bioshock. Infinite, the last Bioshock game, came out in 2013. And then I believe that Bioshock Collection came out, I want to say two years ago in 2017. I could be wrong. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was three years ago. But still, we just haven't had any Bioshock at all this generation, which is insane because Bioshock really, when you look at last generation, you can't really deny Bioshock 1 was one of the biggest, most indelible games that came out last generation altogether. I would say it's at the very least in the top five most important games of last generation. So for it to have had, you know, such a successful history on last generation's consoles and then to have just disappeared entirely over the course of last generation is surprising, right? You had Bioshock 1, which was literally a game changer. Then you have Bioshock 2, which was a fantastic game made by a, sec a separate studio that, you know, got a lot of critical hate just for not being the original Bioshock. But for those of us who actually played the game, you know that Bioshock 2 was actually really awesome. And then you have Bioshock Infinite, which is to a lot of people regarded as the best in the series, but I mean, at the very least is considered a very strong entry in the franchise. So, and then just right after that, Irrational Games disbanded. Ken Levine went on to do other things. He took some of the team with him. There is a PS Vita Bioshock game that was in development, then kind of quietly canceled. And the, the series has just kind of gone dormant since then. So again, the only thing that surprises me here is that it took 2K so long to start making a new Bioshock. And the only thing I can really think to that is I wonder if perhaps they had tried to give the franchise to another studio and it was kind of in pre-production hell for a while and just never really took off and so they decided to perhaps maybe just kind of form a new studio and, and, and take it in their own hands by rather than putting it off on someone else and, and publishing it just kind of forming the talent from within and and going from there I mean Bioshock is easily a game that you know, you could justify kind of the formation of a studio for because it will sell well enough and it, it just it will garner enough attention and, you know, interest from the community and the audience to justify. Although, you know, a lot of people say, especially with the disbanding of Irrational Games, that a lot of the problem with Bioshock Infinite was that the game didn't sell well enough and that's why the studio had to shut down. For those who don't understand, that's not exactly what happened. The, the, the bigger issue with Bioshock Infinite is that the game was in development forever. Um, Bioshock 1 came out in what, 06, 07? I, I believe it was 06. I could be wrong, it might have been 07. But, you know, Bioshock Infinite, Irrational didn't make, you know, since they didn't make Bioshock 2, they didn't create another game from that time until 2013, early 2013, when Bioshock Infinite came out. Meaning, you know, it took them like six or seven years to make a, a second game, a sequel to Bioshock. That game was such an expensive project because of the delays, because of the kind of realigning of the, of the vision and the intention of that game. And it really, really took a toll on, you know, the development costs and everything of that game. And I'm sure 2K was not happy with how long it took to get Bioshock Infinite out the 
the door. And so I'm sure with whatever they're working on next, you know, depending on how they go about with the engine, I'm sure they'll just use Unreal. They could try to have this game turn around in three years, maybe. I wouldn't, I mean, obviously don't expect to see anything on this game for the next year. But I would not be surprised if this game comes out in, you know, 2022 or something like that. You know, for all of you who love Bioshock, I'd be excited. I I think this is exciting. I can't speak to, obviously, the new hands that the franchise is in. But I think Bioshock is such a beloved game that, you know, you can attract some really excellent talent by saying, you know, we're, we're looking to make a new Bioshock game. Are you interested in working on this project? So, again, I don't play XCOM. I don't play Sid Meier's Civilization. I'm familiar with those games, but I've never played them. And I have, I know nothing about the career of Kelly Gilmore, but who knows? Maybe, I mean, maybe this game is in great hands and we'll see the best Bioshock yet as a result of it. Um, I don't think not having Ken Levine is, is really detrimental to the game. I don't know like what real reason I have to think this, but I view Ken Levine as like one of those like George Lucas types where it's like, don't let him stay on the same franchise for too long because he might get in the way of this beautiful thing he created. I, I just, there's no reason, I have no reason to believe that about him uh, other than to say it's just a weird suspicion I have that, you know, despite him being kind of the visionary and, and the kind of mastermind behind the original Bioshock, I don't necessarily believe that he is a critical part in order to continue the franchise. And I th- I think the game has inspired enough other creators and, and veterans of the industry that there are people who understand what Bioshock can be as proven by Bi- Bioshock 2 and that we can we can see a great Bioshock without you know, Ken Levine and his team having their hands on the project. So I'm actually pretty excited to see whatever this becomes when we officially see an unveiling, which I think will probably be in like two, three years. But yeah, so just for all you Bioshock fans, let's be excited about this awesome news that we're finally getting another Bioshock game. Took a little longer than expected, but nonetheless, it's happening. So this is great news. And our second story, which probably should have been the first story of the week, because this really is the biggest news, in my opinion, for the week, is MLB The Show will be on non-PlayStation consoles by 2021. So earlier this week, the MLB Communications Twitter account dropped some very surprising news regarding Sony's internally developed and highly regarded MLB game, The Show. While Sony has produced what is no doubt the best MLB game for years, exclusively for the PlayStation platform, it looks like their own first-party baseball game will be coming to other consoles in the future, meaning as early as 2021. Per the MLB's extended partnership with Sony, the show will now be available for what we presume will be Xbox and Nintendo platforms, perhaps even PC. It is important to note that Sony themselves did not make this announcement, but rather deferred to the MLB to share the news, and even went as far as to vaguely refer to the future of available platforms as simply additional platforms beyond PlayStation, as opposed to specifically saying Xbox, Nintendo, but we all know that's what they're referring to. I don't think what they're getting at is MLB The Show is going to be on PlayStation and, and, and fucking Google Stadia or some shit like that. Maybe it'll be coming to Ouya. But this story continues. MLB The Show, for those who aren't familiar, is made annually by Sony-owned studio Sony San Diego, who will no doubt be bringing in lots of money by making the game available for other platforms. Due to the grueling nature of the sports game development cycle, though, I would not expect to see the show on Xbox until maybe 2022, despite the announcement of it possibly coming out as early as 2021. So this is a massive story, not just for me as someone who, you know, loves MLB The Show and who laments the fact that there is no great baseball simulator on xbox so this is just like phenomenal dream come true news for someone like me because this is like the best case scenario that we're not only getting a great xbox or uh, a baseball game on xbox but we're getting the best baseball game on xbox and 
which would seem unlikely since it's a Sony game, but thanks to the MLB, it looks like Xbox is getting the game anyway. And I think so what, what happens here is this was part of MLB's kind of re repartnering up with Sony, kind of re-signing their contract and renewing everything. I think what happened here was the MLB twisted Sony's arm. They said, hey, listen, the MLB, MLB the show's a great game. It sells very well. It's it's It reviews very well. People love it. It's a fantastic game. But here's the deal. We want to be able to sell more games. So, you know, Sony does not have exclusive rights to MLB the show. Um, for those of you who don't know, like a game like Madden Football, EA has... The, the licensing from the NFL for for NFL games exclusively. So when it comes to football games, only EA games can make an NFL game. No one else can. But that's not actually the case for MLB. MLB actually can give the license basically to anyone who'd be willing to pay for it, that they'd be willing to partner with. And the reason why there are no real serious competitors to MLB The Show is because Sony, their team, Sony San Diego, has been do doing such a kick-ass job with the franchise for so many years that no one really dares to form the studio, build up the, the talent and the engine and all the resources to really make good competitive MLB game. Because, in, in, you know, once you consider in how much it takes to start the studio and to really get the game going and get it into its own after a couple of years and to get the MLB license. It's just, it's just so much that no one's really dared to compete with Sony because MLB, the show is just that good of a, a product. Uh, however, hypothetically someone else could, and others have, you know, there used to be a 2k MLB series that was multi-platform. And so there, for those who don't know, there's a game that comes out every year called RBI baseball. It's a little more of an arcadey baseball game, but that's actually made by the MLB. The MLB owns a studio that creates a baseball game every year called RBI Baseball. It's not very good. comes out every year. I, I opt out of playing it, even though it always ends up on like games with gold somehow or, or Game Pass or something. But yeah, when it comes to baseball games, there's really only one option. It's MLB The Show. Um, so I think what happened was the MLB twisted Sony's arm and said, hey, listen, we're not going to renew this with you unless you make this game multi-platform. You know, bring it to PC, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, whatever, because we want to sell more games. We want to make more money off of this. And in turn, you will also make more money off of this. Um, or, you know, we're just not going to renew this contract with you and we'll take the license anywhere. Because if hypothetically uh, Sony didn't have the MLB license and the show stopped being made, the MLB would then give that license to whoever, EA, Ubisoft, 2K, whatever, and they would gladly make a baseball game, you know, especially in a market where there is no MLB The Show to compete with, and they would gladly eat up all of that market. But it's just as it stands now, as long as the show is in the game, no one really wants to mess with them. So the fact that, you know, they kind of, what I assume is the MLB twisting Sony's arm and to, to make this multi-platform, this is just an everyone wins scenario because we get the best baseball game on all platforms. Everyone can play it now. And, you know, it's not really a bad deal for Sony because they get to sell the game on other platforms, meaning when you play the game, you're still technically playing a Sony game, even if you're on Xbox. You're, Sony's still taking money from you every time you buy the game, even if it's on Xbox. So it's not like Sony loses. They're going to make more money at the end of the day. San Diego is going to make more money at the end of the day. The MLB is going to make more money at the end of the day. So this is an, a win-win scenario for everyone, both the creator and the consumer. It's just... Sony doesn't have that kind of modern day Microsoft philosophy of let's just put this game everywhere because the more places we can sell it, the more money we can make, the more people who can play it, the more, you know, of an audience we can reach, whatever. Sony has a very closed ecosystem mentality of like our games are made by our studios and are available on our platforms and fuck everybody else, especially their first party content. You'd never see a game that's made by a Sony owned studio release on 
anyone else's platform. It just does not happen. So this is very unSony-like, which is I think why you see things like the MLB making the announcement and referring to it as additional platforms outside of PlayStation rather than specifying which ones. And because it's this is not something Sony, I think, is excited to do, despite the fact that at the end of the day, it yields more financial benefit for them because they like to keep all of their properties, all of their own IP, everything exclusive to their console. And while, of course, Sony doesn't own the MLB, they do own the, the IP MLB The Show. And they, I think, take a lot of pride in letting that be a PlayStation-only thing. So, I mean, at the end of the day, everyone's going to win from this. Sony can get over it. They're going to have to make more money, boo-hoo. But this is super exciting for all of us who are on Xbox looking for a good baseball game and just have been kind of shut out for years and years because it just hasn't there just hasn't been a good baseball game so I'm really excited about this I hope you are too I was really enthusiastic about the story just because I mean this is fantastic news for people like me one of the biggest reasons why I own a PlayStation and why I play PS4 is because MLB the show and now now this is just one less game I have to not play on my Xbox so that's good news for me and our next story here is that the next generation Xbox is going to have a name that will describe the console's purpose. So Microsoft has confirmed that the name of the next generation Xbox console, currently codenamed Project Scarlet, of course. The name of the console will be reflective of the console's purpose and capabilities. So while this has already been the case for most of Xbox's life, you know, every Xbox console is, is named after some central theme of the console. Phil Spencer essentially reiterated the point and asked about when, when he was asked about the console's name. So don't expect the Xbox to begin following naming trends like Sony's iterative PlayStation 1, 2, 3, etc. naming scheme, as the Xbox will follow in the footsteps of the 360 and the 1 by attempting to encapsulate the spirit and the purpose of the box within the original name. Here are my top three guesses as to what I think the next Xbox could be named. Please, of course, as always, sound off in the comments. Uh, I know you won't, but... Just feel free to share with me your predictions as to what you think the Scarlet might be called when it's officially named and revealed, and make sure that you are wildly inaccurate and stupid uh, as to make this as fun as possible. So I, I wrote three possible suggestions. I, I think the first one is it's very possible this Xbox could be called Xbox Infinite or Xbox Infinity, as was previously rumored back before the Xbox One was revealed. A lot of people thought it was going to be called Infinite or Infinity, and I think that's a really cool name, and I don't doubt that that was a thing Microsoft was internally kicking around. There was always a lot of rumor that that really strong rumor from, from reputable sources that that was the name that Sony was kicking around, so I would not be surprised if they come back to the well and use that infinite. It kind of beautifully lines up with Halo Infinite. I like the parody of that, and it, it just infinite, like infinite possibilities with xCloud Game Pass and all these services, infinite power with just the most powerful console ever made. You know, it's just kind of just a really strong brand name, I think. And it'd be cool to see them do that kind of Nintendo 64 thing where they just name their games after the console where it's like Mario 64 on N64. And now you got like Halo Infinite on Xbox Infinite. I, I just think it's a really good name. It'd be a great route for them to go. And I would not be surprised to see them return to that name and kind of embrace it, especially after the Xbox One where, you know, aside from the, the console's kind of failure in the eyes of, you know, the hardcore gamers, of course, the console, Xbox One, as a side note, of course, is a wildly successful console. It's not the most successful console, but judging by its sales and its it the, the revenue it's generated is a very successful platform. 
but it has been somewhat of a failure in in the competition between Xbox versus PlayStation where PlayStation 4 has pummeled Xbox One. And I think a lot of the slack Xbox One initially got was people laughed at the name. You know, it's like, we already have an Xbox One. It's the original Xbox. Uh, Xbox One's a stupid name, blah, 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 blah. It just got a lot of shit for it. So if you can come out with a cool name like Infinite or Affinity that just like, you know, that people already thought was a cool rumor name for Xbox, I think that'd be a nice way to just shut them up with that kind of... Uh, brand strengthening and just kind of making the xbox look like a cool name because xbox alone as a brand name is already a fucking cool name if you can like double down that coolness by adding infinite or infinity to the end of it i think that 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 will go a long way and just kind of repositioning yourself as a cool brand my second guess and i won't i won't linger on this too much longer my second guess is that they call the console the xbox on named after the immensely successful podcast of the same name and then my third guess is that they call it the xbox neo uh, which would be following the naming convention of the microsoft surface neo which was revealed a couple months ago it's set to release next year for those that don't know the surface neo is a dual screen tablet computer which hopes to evolve Windows 10 by using Windows 10X, which is a new version of Windows 10, and much the same way that the Xbox Project Scarlet looks to kind of reinvent and reiterate on the Xbox brand as like a kind of gamer's console, you know, a, a, a game's first console. And so I think by, again, Neo is similar to Infinite in that I think it's a cool word, it's a powerful word, it just suggests a lot of like power and tech and intrigue and mystery i think it it strikes the perfect balance of all that like cool stuff that like the audience would take to that you know if you're like here's the new xbox it's called the xbox neo people be like all right that's fucking cool right especially in a time where everyone loves keanu reeves who played neo in the matrix or whatever i that those are my guesses for the names let me know if you think those are stupid or not definitely be sure to comment with yours because i i just like hearing people speculate on what a console we names it's it's really fun to do that because when it comes to the big three it's like there's playstation which you can't really speculate on the name because they always just number it so it's like the next one's gonna be called ps5 no doubt and then with nintendo it's impossible to guess what they might name it because nintendo's gonna throw a stupid curveball at you and call it something like nintendo wii and no one would ever be able to fucking guess that you know if their life depended on it so there's no guessing with nintendo and then with xbox it's just interesting because it's like they're going to name it something awesome like Xbox 360 or they're going to piss everyone off by naming it Xbox One. So there's really never any telling with what the Xbox name could be, but it's at least a, a real word. At least they, they usually use real words to name their consoles. So our next story is that Resident Evil 3 remake has been confirmed and a, a reveal trailer was released. So the other week we talked about this really strong rumor that Resident Evil 3 was going to be getting a remake in the same vein as Resident Evil 2. And now we know that that rumor is no more because during Sony's state of play earlier this week, Capcom officially revealed Resident Evil 3 and the game is coming on April 3rd, 2020. So pretty soon. So it'll be coming to Xbox One and will be remade in a very similar vein to this year's Resident Evil 2 remake in which the game will be entirely remade from the ground up using the RE engine. So very similar situation. What makes this newly Re, uh, remade Resident Evil game even more interesting, especially compared to Resident Evil 2, is that that recently announced uh, Resident Evil Resistance 4v1 multiplayer game that we thought was a separate multiplayer-only game is actually just going to be included in Resident Evil 3 Remake, 3 Remake and is basically the game's multiplayer component. So rather than it being two new Resident Evil games in the works, it's just one really big package of Resident Evil content with a single-player component and a multiplayer component. So that's pretty awesome to look forward to as now you don't have two new games to buy, and I think this is a good way to kind of increase the player base. 
of Resident Evil Resistance because I don't think a lot of people were super high on it when it was announced. And I I think this is a good way to kind of Trojan horse people into this multiplayer game, especially when, you know, you, you got games like Dead by Daylight that already have their dedicated player base. So I think you're going to get people in this by selling them something like Resident Evil 3 Remake and then having this optional multiplayer component that you might hook some people onto as a result of, you know, I, I bought this for the single player campaign and didn't expect anything from the multiplayer, but then fell in love with it, which I think is kind of a smarter idea than just selling the game for 60 bucks by its own being just multiplayer. Of course, the, the best way for them to get in would probably be just make the game free to play, but I, I'm, I'm a fan of this route. It's, it's a little old school because no one seems to release robust games with multiplayer and single player these days, but I'm all for that, and I think it's cool that they kind of folded it all into one thing. I just don't see how they were able to announce one without the other. It almost makes me wonder if this was like a last-minute decision to combine the two separate projects into one, or if that was always the case, but I, I would never know. Our next story here is that Remedies Control could be potentially coming to Xbox Game Pass, or maybe not, because in an Extra Life live stream, which took place earlier, or I think late last week, Xbox Phil Spencer said during the live stream, he said, quote, I thought Control was a really good game. It didn't reach enough people, so I'm glad to see that's coming to Xbox Game Pass so that more people will play it, end quote. And then this quote starts circling the internet like wildfire, as it as you would expect, uh, leading people to believe that the game would be debuting on the popular gaming subscription service soon until Remedy Games reached out shortly afterwards and said the following, quote, the information about Control coming to Xbox Game Pass as reported on a recent Mixer stream was incorrect. We have no news or announcements regarding Xbox Game Pass at this time, end quote. Obviously, Xbox, uh, Phil Spencer isn't just saying bullshit. X Phil Spencer isn't misinformed and just making rumors. I mean, that'd be funny as hell if that was his MO, was to just get on live streams and to mislead the audience by making up lies about video games. Because, I mean, whatever. But obviously, that's not what he's doing. So because Phil Spencer said it's true, I'm sure it's true. I don't think he was slipping up and or he was misinformed. I think Control's absolutely coming to Xbox Game Pass. But what I think happened is that it's probably not coming to Game Pass until, you know, January, February, March, somewhere in the slower first part of the year where people aren't buying holiday games like crazy. And, you know, in recent years, those first few months of the year have been pretty dominated by new releases as we've seen you know we get games like monster hunter resident evil remake and think or dying light or these kinds of games that really make that early part of the year kind of pop you're not really getting that second wave of of holiday game sales so obviously a game like control which came out i believe in august might sell well due to holiday sales through november and december but i assume by the time february january comes around and people are out playing you know all the hottest games of the spring i don't think people are going to be looking to go back and buy control. So I think what what's happening here is Remedy was saying, we want to sell as many copies of this game through the holiday shopping season as possible before we announce to the public that control is coming to Xbox Game Pass. And by Microsoft, or by Phil Spencer saying that on live stream, he kind of prematurely dropped the info and pissed off Remedy because they didn't want that news to hinder holiday game sales. This is my guess, but I mean, of course, you know, again, what the fuck do I know? But... Uh, I, I definitely think that's what happened here um, because there's no way Phil Spencer is just like totally making shit up and spreading misinformation or he's just like, I don't know why I thought we were getting this game on Game Pass, but we totally weren't. He's the guy knows what he's doing. He knows shit. He knows way more than any of us do. He knows everything that's coming down the pipeline. Um, so he's not just, you know, misremembering. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's exactly what happened was Remedy just wanted to really push the game through the holidays 
and sell their latest game while it was on sale and when people had holiday money. And then in the early months of 2020, when everything starts to slow down, they would then put it on Game Pass. But a little bit of a, a spoiling that fun for Remedy on Xbox's part. And now for some smaller stories to kind of round out the week. We've got a, a handful of them, so we'll just kind of blast through them real quick. Uh, Minecraft on PS4 is it, or is now you know getting the Bedrock Edition, and which will additionally support crossplay. So by the time you're listening to this podcast, the Bedrock version of Minecraft will officially be out on PS4, and this version is the one that supports crossplay, meaning that players will be able to embark on Minecraft adventures together across Xbox One, PC, Nintendo Switch, PS4, iOS, Android. I mean, that's just going to be a million ways to play Minecraft, and you know now we finally get the biggest platform, oh, not the biggest, the biggest console platform um, involved in cross-play on the biggest game, Minecraft. So welcome to the party, PlayStation. Although it took you way too long to get here, at least you'll be bringing your player base of over 100 million players uh, to our cross-play Minecraft realm, so to speak. So that's awesome. And then our next little one is that Final Fantasy VII's remake, which comes out in a few months here, has been kind of confusing people in terms of its exclusivity, whether it's only on PlayStation or if it's only on PlayStation for a limited time. Uh, Well, this week we got all that cleared up with the game's official box art, which has a little tag on the bottom right that confirms that the game will be exclusive to PlayStation 4 only until March 3rd, 2020, meaning that the game will likely be coming to Xbox platforms sometime shortly after there. This is not unlike when Square Enix signed the Times exclusive deal with Microsoft back in 2015 for Rise of the Tomb Raider to be released on Xbox One first for over a year. So fear not all you JRPG nerds uh, and the Xbox ecosystem because you may get to live out your very own Final Fantasy yet. So this does not shock me at all. I really expected this game to be on Xbox, but yes, they were very vague on the platforms it'd be released for. It was announced on Sony stage. It was always shown on PlayStation, but I really didn't see how this was going to be a PlayStation exclusive because despite Final Fantasy VII having been a PS1 exclusive back in the day, the game has since been remade and re-released on literally everything from iPhone to Xbox to PC. So there's no reason why this game wouldn't come to Xbox and just sell that many more millions of units. Um, but yeah, so that that's what's happening here was there's a timed exclusivity deal between Sony and um, Square Enix. And so for it looks like the first year of the game's release, Uh, You'll only be able to play this game on PlayStation, which isn't a big loss to all of us who enjoy real video games where you're not running around as a guy named Cloud with with anime emo hair and a a sword that has holes in it like fucking Swiss cheese trying to run around a steampunk world to save to save the world from devastation, become stronger and do whatever the hell it is anime boys do. Um, So there's that. And then, of course, just to get all that Japanese anime stuff out of the way, uh, we got another little one here. So speaking of tentacle porn, Kingdom Hearts 3's Remind DLC has a release date of January 23rd, 2020, as revealed during Sony's recent State of Play stream. The nature of the DLC is pretty story-focused, and I won't go into any further detail to save both myself and you, the listener, from experiencing any potential aneurysms. Um, So that's just that, and we're going to move on instantly. Our next story here is that the file explorer on the Xbox One is unfortunately going away. Um, So most people obviously did not use the the file explorer. Most people probably didn't even know it was an app on their Xbox One. I know I never used it, despite knowing of its existence. Um, 
but this is precisely why Microsoft will be removing the largely forgotten feature in the near future. Um, despite its ability to help gamers upload graphics that could be used as gamer type pictures or wallpapers, there are still other methods for doing these things. Unfortunately, for those that used the File Explorer for bringing music and movies to their Xbox, tough love, it's, it's going away. I suppose due to the limited use of this feature, Xbox would rather you just use Spotify or Hulu instead. So the app has already been removed from insider builds uh, of uh, on Xbox and will soon be taken away completely from the from the regular OS. So if you're if you're into that, use it while you got it, change your gamer tag picture, upload your movies or whatever's while you got them and then uh, in the coming weeks that's going to be going away. So rest in peace, but I know this is a little bit of a hypocritical thing for me to say because you know, every time Xbox takes away a, a Kinect support or a Cortana, something I care about, I get all salty. But then they take away something like this, which I don't really give a shit about because I don't use it. And then I'm like, I understand, you know, you take away things people aren't using and then you're able to kind of lighten up the OS and make everything a little smoother and, and less bloated. And it's better overall for the experience of the Xbox. So for those of you who did use this and rely on it, I am sorry. As as someone who loved Cortana, I hope you can understand that you have my sympathy. But when you're being when you're an Xbox fan, when you're a Microsoft fan, you have to get used to losing things you love. I mean, this episode is being recorded the day after um the day that Windows Phone has completely been turned off uh, from security updates and has completely ended support permanently for the rest of forever, and you know I'm still I'm still bleeding and hurting from that a little bit. So this is what we do as Microsoft fans: we learn to live without and we move on, and we hopefully become stronger as a result of things like this. Uh, our next small little story is actually kind of a big one, or not not a massive one, but it's big for a small story. And it is that Forza Horizon 4 is getting a new update that releases today and includes a new mode titled The Eliminator. What exactly is this new mode, you might be asking yourself? Well, it's a racing equivalent to Battle Royale. So now before you roll your eyes, just listen to the description of this game mode real quick. So The Eliminator pits 72 racers against one another on Horizon 4's main map. All players start the race in a 1965 Mini Cooper, or a level 1 car as it's referred to within this mode. As the racer progresses, random drops occur that can upgrade the player's car to a higher car level. The nicer cars uh, can also be obtained by beating others in head-to-head -head races. These races can be initiated from within the overall larger race by horn blasting a nearby player and then racing to a newly marked finish line. As is common with Battle Royale games, the map continues to shrink over time, eliminating players until it's down to the last car standing. So if you're interested in trying this new mode, just download the game from Game Pass for free because Xbox. I think that's really cool, actually. I love seeing games get new life even like a year after their release. And I, as someone who doesn't hate Battle Royale as much as everyone else does, I think this could actually be a lot of fun. It's just a giant race that eventually ends in one winner, which is what a race is anyway. So I like the idea of them spinning a race on their head. I think really just from reading the description, at least, it seems like the Battle Royale game mode or genre kind of actually lends itself quite well to racing. I'll be the judge of that, of course, when I try it out in, in a couple days here. But yeah, I mean, that's out as of the time of this podcast going live. So if you're even remotely interested, go check that out. Cause to me, that sounds interesting. And 
I hope uh, I hope it's fun because Forza Horizon, every Forza Horizon game is fantastic and I'm sure it, it will also be fantastic. Uh, so our final little story of the week is that just a little wrap up, a quick update on Gears of War 5 or, or Gears 5 as it's actually called. So players can enjoy some new content with the new uh, free update titled Operation 2, which is live now at the time of this recording. The update brings four new multiplayer characters, three new game types, five maps, a new versus season, and a partridge and a pear tree, and a brand new tour of duty full of earnable content, which you can, of course, just opt out of earning those things and just spend 20 bucks to unlock it all because microtransactions. For additional info on the new maps and game modes, be sure to check out Xbox Wire where you have all these things detailed, or again, just play the game for yourself free via Xbox Game Pass because Xbox. New Gears 5 content, of course, that game is going to continue to get supported. We knew that all of its content was going to be free going forward and everything that you can spend money on can be unlocked it can be unlocked just from playing the game and is cosmetic stuff so there's nothing to worry about there but yeah if you're still enjoying gears 5 which many of you should be because it's a fucking awesome game go ahead and enjoy all this new shit that's coming out right now just like how forza horizon 4 is getting a bunch of new content because games as a service so that's going to do it for our news for the week it's kind of a longer one despite what should normally be pretty slow news week and so we're just going to wrap, wrap up with our quick, you know, new game releases, Xbox Games of Gold. For Games of Gold, as a reminder for December, for the rest of the month, you got Insane Robots available for download, and then Jurassic World Evolution, which will be available beginning December 16th. So later this this upcoming week, you'll be able to download that. It will be available through January 15th, and that's definitely the bigger game of this, of this month, not just because it has big dinosaurs, but because it's just the most expensive AAA-esque game on here. And then for the Xbox 360, we've got Toy Story 3, which is available until December 15th, so make sure you download that if you haven't already. And then you got Castlevania, Lords of Shadows, Mirrors of Fate HD, which is available beginning on the 16th and running through New Year's Eve. So make sure you download that as well if you want a little Castlevania on your Xbox. And then for the new game releases this week, actually, there's way more than I anticipated. We actually have um, 16 new games coming to Xbox this week. So I'm not going to do my usual running through them all because this episode's running a little long and I want to be respectful of your time. So we'll just do a quick blast through. We've got Fishing Barrett's Sea Complete Edition, which is a game where you're stranded at sea, so that's fucking terrifying if you're afraid of whales like I am. Then we've got Eternal Eternan X, which is a 2D game. There's Satan in it. Then you got Terminator Resistance, which doesn't come out till January 7, 2020, so I'm not sure why that's showing up here. I wonder if this is the last Xbox Wire weekly game update for the year. Maybe that's why they're showing it now. But on January 7th, Terminator Resistance comes out, which actually looks like a cool first-person shooter, but my guess is it's going to be not good because it's a movie tying game, but you never know. It's I, Hopefully it's actually cool. It looks like it's based on multiple Terminator games, which makes no sense, but who fucking knows? Then we got Avicii Invector, which is a looks like a rhythm kind of Beat Saber clone type game slash Race the Sun, which is about, you know, that EDM artist that I think died from drugs because drugs are cool. And then we got Jurassic World Evolution, Return of Jurassic Park, which I think is actually an Xbox One X enhanced game. So this is, oh, I thought this was a, uh, I thought this was an expansion to the Jurassic Park game that's Games of Gold. I think this is a separate game actually. So this is like a game where you actually like play as the dinosaurs. I think it's like a dinosaur sim. So that's actually pretty cool. But it's the, judging by the photo, the camera is like 
from the ground looking up, so the camera angle looks like shit. Nonetheless, I'm sure people still play that. Then we got Rift Keeper, which is a 2D game, which means you will not be able to play it in first person whatsoever. And then we got Metaloid, which is also a 2D game. with It's very fuzzy. It's very pixelated. I'm not sure why you'd make a game look like that. Um, but then we got Stone, which you play as a koala bear in, in outer space. So that's a, probably a Star Wars game. And then you got Headliner Nova News, which is um, it looks kind of like that devil drinking game I just played. And then you got Ultimate Race 2D, which is a race game where you play top down, but it looks kind of Battle Royale-like. So that sounds like a dumb idea for a racing game. And then you got Super Epic, the Tournament Ward, which is a uh, another fuzzy 2D game. Then we got a Pathologic 2, which is, looks like a kind of like 3D inside game. Um, so that looks a little creepy and cryptic. Um, so I'm actually gonna, I'm actually gonna play that game probably through from start to finish and then delete it. And then we got Card Apocalypse, which is a game, indie game. And then we got Dreamwalker Never Fall Asleep, which is a car game in hell and a point and click adventure game all in the same time. And judging by the bottom right hand corner of the screen, it has a Christmas theme to it. And then we got Abra Genius, the, the December 13th. It's a 2D fuzzy game. We got Dead End Job which is a indie game. We got Xbox One X Enhanced. Literally nothing worth making fun of, nothing worth even batting an eye at. Um, but I guess the big ones here are going to be Terminator and Jurassic Park, not even for the game themselves, but maybe more so just for the, the licenses that they carry with them. So that's going to do it for this week's news and new game releases and everything in this episode in general uh, and just as a reminder this episode goes live on thursday as it does each and every single week uh, but tonight this thursday the 12th is the night of the game awards so a lot expect a lot of new announcements for games a lot of new updates for games there's always some good game stories that come out tonight so this ep this episode is going to be pretty dated within a few hours because we're going to be getting some new xbox news today expect coverage of all that information all those announcements during next week's episode where we'll talk about the game awards and and how everything went and maybe we'll do our own uh xbox game awards of of 2019 xbox on edition so stay tuned for next week where we're going to do all the game award stuff be sure to watch that tonight i think it's a uh, eight o'clock eastern time here you can watch that online of course and then we're going to round out this week with another song from eric who spells his name e-r-i-c-h
Big Rock Show.